0: Good evening and welcome. This is the best in paranormal podcasting the paranormal 60 news shrunken heads aliens in Russia and airport ghost edition next right here. evening my little darklings and thank you for joining us here in the paranormal 60 realm i am your host dave schrader let us bring in my co-anchors for the evening ladies and gentlemen the colonel is in attendance Good evening. hey how you doing dave glad to be back good yeah good to have you back and ladies and gentlemen as he can only be the chachi of the group eric folsom how you doing buddy i'm doing well dave how are you i'm doing well uh we are missing our traditional fourth but obviously it had to be for some really important reason that he could not make tonight's show. And, um, he, he did send along this video.
1: Well, I really didn't expect when I came up here to Washington, that I would be in a half flooded blocked up tunnel of a missile silo from the cold war. But here I am uh, Dustin and Rick and Bobby uh, have uh, left me apparently, and I'm not quite sure which direction they went. But I guess I'll just keep going, and if I get stuck, I'll turn around and go the other way. So if I don't make it out of here, and you find this phone, uh,
2: God bless and Godspeed.
0: So thank you to Bobby, <laughs> Dustin, and Rick Ray- <laughs> for stranding him. <laughs> They obviously tunnel. got the money. We sent them. That's right. Obviously. Yes. Well played. We like that. Hey guys, uh, we do have another guest who's going to join us in a few moments, but we have to start off on a bit of a somber note tonight. Uh, I think this is America's sweetheart. Maybe the world's sweetheart is the best way to, uh, to mention this. We suffered a little loss this, this week in the entertainment industry. And, uh, there was an interesting article that came out, uh, Olivia Newton, John passed and, uh, she did a, a recent interview, and uh, Olivia Newton-John was candid about her thoughts on death and the afterlife. The Greek actress and singer, who died Monday at the age of 73, spoke about her mortality on the uh, A Life of Greatness podcast, and she did this just about a year ago. Uh, Olivia Newton-John battled breast cancer for a total of 30 years. Now, asked in February of 2021, the conversation turned to her own death and mortality. She replied, I have uh, I've thought about it quite a few times, adding it was sooner than I would have wanted, having first been diagnosed back in 1992, and then revealing it publicly in 2018 that her stage four breast cancer had spread to her back. I mean, we all know we're going to die, the Australian star said, and I think we spend our lives pretty much in denial of it. She continued, what I feel about it is extremely personal. So I find it hard to put into words. I believe that we are all part of one thing. I've had experiences with, how can I put it, spirit or spirits. I felt spirit world around me and have heard things that I believe there is something that happens in the afterlife. It's almost like we're parts of this big computer and we go back to the main battery. I don't have a Definite definition of what it is. Some people call it heaven, some call it universe. I just think there's a great knowingness out there that we become a part of. Olivia Newton John said she hoped the energies of the people you love are all there, but believes all the love will be there. After all, she continued, the people she knows who have had near death experiences, including her husband, John Easterling, say it's the most unbelievable feeling of love that you've ever experienced, and you don't want to come back. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. She said, adding with a laugh, not now, but when it happens, well, sadly it happened much sooner than any one of us would have wanted, but what a rich and amazing life. I know that in talking to her relatives and nieces and they'd asked her, she was fearful of death. And she said, no, because she had lived 20 lives in the one lifetime that she had, which is a pretty remarkable way to look at things.
2: Her her terminology about knowingness I, I'd never heard that term before but what what a great explanation for what she thought might be on the other side
0: yeah yeah crazy isn't it There's some celebrities that that just kind of hit you and there's others that you're kind of like oh well, kind of saw that coming or wow all right and you just kind of move on and forget about it um you know like John Ritter to me was crippling and I don't know I I mean I know why. But it was like when he died, I just kind of like for a good solid week or two, I was just like, what? Not John Ritter. You know, you know it just the, doesn't make sense. The thing
2: about Olivia Newton-John was we'd all known she'd been sick for, to your point, 30 years. But yet it right. happened and we were surprised and taken back by it. Yeah.
1: Well, and she was pretty active, too. I mean, all the way up to a few years ago, I remember yeah. she was doing shows and, and still doing a lot of performances. So, I mean... Uh, that takes a lot of strength. Obviously, that type of a uh, disease kind of zaps you for strength. Uh, so it's commendable that she was able to, to keep working that long. Well,
0: Marty and Eric, now when you do that all-male review of Grease, and mm-hmm. Marty, you, you plop on the blonde wig and tight leather spandex pants. Uh, I think and we're about – uh,
1: Yeah, that's you about, have, what, two, you, three months? you got some now? big high Rick?
0: heels to finish, yeah, fill in, Eric,
1: I, Eric has the black wig where he's going to be greasing his hair back. And,
0: yeah. We're ah, there. Zuko, look at him. He's got the black. Up now. Yeah, yeah, so I, I'd lo- I'd like to
2: say, for those mm-hmm. of you that are that aren't watching this, but when you brought up the photo of her, it mm-hmm. perfectly covered Marty, and it felt for a moment that the show was Dave, Eric, and Olivia
1: Newton-John. Yeah,
0: just for yes, well, yeah, yeah, briefly. yeah.
1: Man, I, I put I, it back
0: I, up and see if we can get Marty to speak in only an Australian accent. For here we 100%. go. Let's try don't, that. Don't, yeah. I don't know. No, <laughs> I, I have I trouble to with ruin them that
1: speaking in american accent so uh <laughs> you speak in english, yeah. straight english that's <laughs> right. This is where right you were born and we're raised. about to
2: find out over the next 45 minutes yes yeah. exactly, <laughs> so I every, exactly
0: i hope everybody's got their tumbler full of their favorite libation because today knows i do going <sighs> yeah, to be a strange one uh we've got an interesting story to start off with a woman claims that no one will enter her home with used coffins in it because of her ghost flatmate Not only does Becky Ann Galentine, 31, claim her home is haunted by a spirit, but her freak belongings seem to be putting people off on visiting. Becky Ann is a full-time paranormal investigator and a licensed embalmer and keeps Ouija boards, used coffins, and photographs of dead people in her home. Becky Ann, who lives in Connecticut, believes the supernatural is in her home after guests have reported seeing figures and experiencing sleep paralysis and lights turning on and off. Although Becky Ann isn't phased, as she said, I can't think of anything closer to the being of someone than holding some of their sentimental and close belongings. In my house, I have everything from mourning cards and post-mortem photographs to early books on the occult. Almost everything in Becky Ann's home has been thrifted, including a number of used coffins. How bad bad is it in your family when you're like, uh, we got to... What are we doing with these coffins? Can we drop them off at Goodwill?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Why not? Thrifting
0: coffins. (laughs) I don't don't (laughs) even know how that happens. I'm worried about some dishes going, and they're dropping off coffins. Right. That's just very strange. Very, very strange. We'll have to find out how exactly one finds a thrifted uh, coffin. Uh, She's got a number of used coffins, and while Becky Ann feels her unusual coffins give the home a far more personal touch, they're not always a hit with guests. Becky Ann said, I've heard it all. Some people are inspired by it, while others say they would never step foot inside my home. Let's take a look at some of the other pictures from a beautiful home. Much nicer than even mine and yours, Eric. So I don't know why people would hesitate to go in there just because there's some pumpkins and,
1: you know, coffins and stuff. I like the coffin tea table. That's awesome. Oh, wow. I just
0: realized that's the table. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. (laughs)
3: That's awesome.
0: Uh, Becky Ann said, I've heard it all. Some people are inspired by it, while others say they would never step foot in my home. She says her Ouija boards have been one thing that guests have commented on. Becky Ann explained the boards do a pretty good job of staying out of trouble. When they aren't actively being used, there's no risk or open connection. There's a ton of lore surrounding them that after a decade I don't find any truth to. I do have one board that has a handprint worn into it. The first day it came home, my friend put his hand on the handprint spot and the lights turned off. Human hair in the home also had some unusual effects for guests. Becky Ann said, everyone in the house once had sleep paralysis after I brought home a hair wreath that they tried to clean up. We showed an image of that. I think that might be the hair wreath. That was the photograph that they uh, they had in the article. Someone had a nightmare of her standing over them, so we thought it was best to leave her as she was found and not have a problem since. She concluded, I don't fear spirits and believe that they can be anywhere, just not prescribed haunted locations. They can pass through your own home, regardless of the objects you bring in or the age. Treat them with respect as if they are human, and it shouldn't be an issue. I like that. Nice place. Cool stuff. Look, there's another awesome. interesting curio cabinet in the shape of a coffin.
1: I would like or to a meet her. Or a coffin in the like, shape of a questions. curio yeah. cabinet. You'd yeah. like to meet her? And, I, I like well? Yeah, see
0: if we can make that happen, Mecca like a high, Mecca Hiney Ho, no. Mecca Jumbie Ho, there she <laughs> oh. is. Becky wow. Allen, Galentine. welcome to the show.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. Now, let's uh, obviously, you've got some of your cool spirit boards up behind you. This article, an interesting read. Uh, I get a feeling, though, that maybe not everything in it is completely up to snuff with what your reality truly is. Do you want to uh, kind of set us straight on the differences between that article and your real world?
4: As we know, uh, the news gets a little carried away. So Mm -hmm. there has never been one haunting in my house. I'm not someone who moved into a home and started experiencing things. I've never been one to really get into haunted objects. But it always was, if someone came over, I, I had a group of friends over recently, and I would explain to them, none of these objects are really haunted, but there was that one time. So that's the two objects that come up in the article where, right. you know, one of the talking boards, someone put their hand on it and and that did happen. And my friend and I, I was like, that's nothing. It's a coincidence. So it wasn't like I had initially pointed towards this is paranormal when these things occurred. Same with the the uh, hair wreath, that had happened years prior to moving into the home I'm currently in. So this hair wreath, I brought it home from an estate sale. It was a little waterlogged and the ladies crooked in the frame. It's actually not the one that they show in the photo. And I said, I want to set her straight in the frame and give her a proper display. So we started kind of poking with a pencil because the frame is so fragile. I didn't want to take it apart. And when we did that, The first night someone had sleep paralysis and they were standing at the end of the bed and she was kind of laughing at them and we're like, that was weird. We tried to hang her on the wall. She came crashing down. And then I experienced sleep paralysis underneath her on the couch. And I said, you know what? She wants to be crooked in that frame. We're going to leave it alone. And that's that story. So fast forward, I've moved to Connecticut and. I had some friends over and I was like, wouldn't that be an interesting idea for a TikTok? Things in my house that make people, the overnight guests uncomfy. So I had mentioned the hair wreath, I mentioned the Ouija board and then discussed the coffins and and various other objects that didn't really have any sort of paranormal attachment or any sort of Mm
3: -hmm.
4: thing that belonged to them. And it just went viral. And that's when it got sensationalized a little bit. So not as exciting as it sounds. There's not a ghost terrorizing my guests. Um, The idea that people say they won't step foot in it, it's not my friends. My friends will come over. They know what I'm into. It's random people on the internet who had commented and said, what's going on in your house? I would never go here. And that's the exact truth behind that whole story.
0: Becky, maybe it's best you let people just feel that way. (laughs) and keep you safe distance because it's the fleshies that are the ones we have to worry about. It's never the spirit
3: realm.
4: You know, and I I think that (laughs) for the most part it does keep people away. I do have people that are like, the second they see a a Ouija board, they're like, I'm out. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I have 100. So they can believe what they want. And I'm comfortable in my little den of coffins and Ouija boards. The coffins also did not come from a thrift store. I brought them home from work. They're like used shipping coffins. And I just like <laughs> the way they look.
1: So you didn't get them at the <laughs> <stretch> Goodwill? <laughs> just Isn't a it?
4: little bit used. Tiny bit wow. used. Just a bit used. So good.
1: Anything to be worried about.
0: Becky, you, and you're an embalmer. Yes. Okay, so your job is then to to remove the blood and and pump in the chemical to give people this kind of natural glow, right? Maybe you could explain it to Eric. Not,
4: it, it yeah. Not everyone looks natural, but that's not my. I don't touch everybody, so I don't. I can't control that. <laughs>
0: What can you do for this guy to make his color look more natural? We've been
1: worried
4: about that jaundice
1: color for quite a while. Ages and ages. You have to
4: racking through the fluids I would use, and that's like not the person I've ever tried to be in my life. Wow.
1: (laughs) Man. Well, you know, I tell you what, uh, that fluid that that you all use, that embalming fluid there, um, didn't have a... I was, I was. I had a friend who was a mortician and he invited me into his back room. And the instant I walked in there, it, my eyes started tearing up. It felt like someone was blowing smoke in my face. It was, it was strong stuff. So, uh, I guess you have to get used to that eventually, right?
4: Or you wear PPE, which most people in the industry, especially the people who have been doing it for 60 years, don't do. I'm like, I'm always going to wear a mask. I'm going to breathe that in. Um, you know, yeah. people in the industry, they end up with ALS and uh, nasopharyngeal cancer because of that. It's it's serious stuff.
1: Well, he offered me a PPE, and I threw it back at him. And I said, look, at, look who I am, okay? I don't need that type of stuff. That explains the color he carries well, asbestos every... <laughs> in his top pocket just to right. once in a while. Ever since that uh, day I visited, I've turned this color. So I don't know. Have something. you, have you
0: ever had a paranormal experience at work, working with these, uh, with with these people?
4: I personally haven't, but this is one thing I love to tell people. Almost every mortician I've met has ghost stories. They have no mm-hmm. prerogative to tell ghost stories, and they're never going to tell families that they're working with that they have a ghost story, but. For example, while I was in mortuary school, the dean of my college is addressing a class of mortuary students, teaching us that dead is dead. We reach a cellular level. The body experiences agonal and postmortem changes. And he's telling us how at a former funeral home he worked at, he saw a man with a top hat that he believed to be the former owner of that funeral home and that they were riding in the car in a procession and he's sitting next to him. And then I moved to Connecticut and I tell my coworkers. Hey, I'm kind of into this. And they start to tell me all of the haunted places they refuse to go in the area and their experiences. One of my coworkers was like, I never go by the retort where we cremate the bodies because of what's back there. And he's like, sometimes when I go to grab a stretcher before I go on a transfer to pick up a decedent, I have to tell it to get off me. So it's, it's interesting to see what we put out, you know, to the general public versus what's going on behind closed doors.
0: Now you're a TikToker. You you do a lot of content and post a lot of stories up there. You've you've seen a lot of the footage and paranormal is really kind of exploding over on TikTok. Uh, I've got a video story later on from a gentleman who's having experiences in his home. Are you okay to hang in with us for this uh, entire hour and and kind of weigh in on these stories? I'd love to get your your take on it. Yeah, I'd love to. All right. Sounds good. Well, since we're kind of in that funerary uh, position, I know Eric is, uh, is, has a story for us regarding a, a man's final riddle. I, and, I, uh, yeah, this is a weird one, huh? I, I yeah. love the
2: story, and I thought I had the riddle figured out, and then I get to the end of the story, and I was wrong. So, we'll ask. Really? I don't know who's read it. You're never I wrong, assume, Eric. The oh, you? there you go. I appreciate that. Yeah, sure. All right. So, a man's final riddle about dead people on his gravestone puzzles the Internet. A man ensured his burial is exactly as he wants it, with a touch of personality, and has gained viral attention online this week. The witty gravestone of Philbert Albert, Filbert. See, I screwed up Wait, already. Filbert, oh, have a drink. Oh, already. Ready. Have, have yeah. we invited Becky to this party?
0: Becky, this pour work? yourself uh, some embalming fluid, because this is going to be a long night. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. His name was Philip Albert Strauss Jr., and was shared on Reddit on Tuesday
0: he had chosen
2: his headstone wording with some thought, sharing a riddle for all who walk past to attempt to solve. On the stone, the engraved words read, what do dead people eat, which if live people eat, they die? Answer on the other side. The headstone was spotted by Matt Codner from New York City during a trip to Philadelphia. Walking through Laurel Hill Cemetery, he and his friends were stopped by the headstone with an unusual engraving. My friend Dan solved it, Out loud before I could, Codner told Newsweek. He got it pretty quickly, maybe 30 seconds in, which is embarrassing because one of my hobbies is, weirdly, making up my own riddles. There's that line about the answer being on the other side. So I went around the back and saw that there was nothing written on the back. That also took me a second to get, said Codner. When I reread it, I noticed the other side was capitalized. It was yet another bit of playfulness. After visiting the graveyard and seeing the unusual riddle, Codner said, I don't know who Mr. Strauss was or anything about him, but his riddle got me to stop at his final resting place for a few minutes. I feel like that's the most you could hope for when you're dead and buried that you'll be thought of and visited with. And it's a really good riddle, too. It's playful and sad and funny all at once. Sorry, anybody know what the answer is? Marty,
0: Marty, what do dead people eat, which if live people eat, they die? What is it, Marty?
3: Hmm.
1: You got me, Dave. You Becky's, got
0: me. Becky's on the buzzer already. Becky, what's the answer? Know.
1: It's not embalming fluid.
4: Listen, I think it's nothing. I think it's they, they don't eat anything, and you'll starve to death if you don't eat anything. But dead people aren't consuming anything. Can we also exactly. note that there's no death date on that tombstone? That guy's alive, and we're sitting here talking
1: about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, no, actually, he died.
0: Uh, yeah, he, yeah. Good, good <laughs> comeback, Marty. Well thought well. out.
1: You I know, I was gonna say he died the same day he was born, but that makes no sense either. So no, no, not, not at all. So all, at all. all I know
2: is Becky has officially replaced Greg Lawson with her because answer. Because
0: she knew her answer immediately. Because he's the answer the, the is simply
2: nothing. That is correct. Nothing. Yeah. Wow.
0: Very cool. Excellent. All right, Martika Colonel, you're <laughs> up. What what is <laughs> he's not gonna ah. he's not gonna let uh, Becky in her her coffin home go uh you know go untouched he's got a no. much better story for you eric and you can keep your silly riddle yeah eric headstone he's got yeah
1: he's becky Ann's gonna know the answer either way so you're screwed yeah all it. right yeah.
0: hit us up what have you got for us
1: Colonel hey Paul? dave a spooked homeowner is giving away a cursed fridge haunted by the soul of their stepmother locals said <laughs> posters advertising the appliance popped up in a number of locations in london including near old street tube station. The bizarre poster claims to be from a worried person who has given away the doomed kitchen appliance because it is cursed. It stated my stepmother had a heart attack on our kitchen floor in the middle of an electrical storm. And her soul was transferred into the computer unit of our small smart fridge, which is known to happen. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um, (laughs)
0: <laughs> so she has a heart attack during an electrical storm and their concept is is that her soul jumps from yeah. her body directly into the refrigerator right. computer sounds like a movie
2: plot line doesn't it mm-hmm. it does yeah. yeah
0: it was shocker shocker was that concept right he he was electrocuted in death and then his he, he jumped into the wiring and ended up uh, kind of jumping. You could come out through your TV or radio or any
1: electronic. Device. Yeah, it sounds like a bad eighties horror flick, but uh, it was. yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, she has been subtly und- undermining me ever since commenting on how many slices of cheese I've eaten or whether I've <laughs> properly put the lid back on something. Wow. That would yeah, it'd be hard there. I'm starting to feel it completely unreasonable that she decided to live in our fridge, judging me on my culinary decisions she has to go. Yeah. Dave, you're having fun with this aren't you? <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> I just love the concept
0: of this. This sounds like something that's going to be thrifted in, in Becky Ann Gallantine's house soon. It I was be.
4: thinking if I went on a transfer and like I want to, you know, bring someone into my care and maybe in that moment as I'm bringing them into the wow. care of the funeral home, they're jumping into the fridge and I had no idea.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All this time. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it happens all the time. I'm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> aside from the soul within, the fridge itself is in complete working order, and I'm sure the unit would be far more agreeably housed with someone who hadn't forced their perfect child into a life of mediocre servitude. <laughs> wow, she's really put some thought, put some thought into this. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. the interested parties are invited to call the number at the bottom of the poster. Uh let's which is here. blanked However, out here on the screen.
0: Yeah, we blanked that out. We didn't oh. want to, you know, harass anybody with this phone number.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's good either. you
3: yeah.
1: Um let's see here. However, it has since t- transpired uh the number at the bottom of the advert actually belongs to a kitchen showroom in Vux Hall, London. Workers of Reed may have received maybe one hundred calls inquiring about the cursed fridge.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a Pretty good marketing tool.
1: It is. Pretty, it is. Pretty, pretty good did, marketing
0: yeah. tool. But that 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 doesn't help you escape this, Marty. Dumbest news of the day. Oh, Congratulations. Man. We are only yeah. two stories two in. Two
1: stories in. Wow.
0: No, no. We had the death of of Olivia Newton-John. That's not we a story. That the cannot... introduction of Becky Ann Galantine. Yeah. We had your story of the of the uh, the cemetery headstone, Eric. This is four stories in it. It earned its right to be there. I don't okay. know. We
1: have at least six more stories, and I have faith that one of them is going to be worse than that one. But do okay, we, <laughs> do we count? Do we count Greg's as a story? Uh, no, that was pretty uh, bad. Let's give that one. The... <laughs> Why do you take
0: it personally? It's not you. You didn't write the story. You barely read the story. <laughs> It feels personal sometimes. Yeah, it it's just, you, you got to well, let it they, go. I,
1: I researched that thing for hours. Uh, spoke to people from London, and you? Uh, yeah, you sound like Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, well, uh, I'll, let, I'll let that go.
0: That's very bizarre. Are there? You know, let's go. I want to go back to Becky Ann real quick because we have somebody whose brain we could pick on this doing funeral work. Uh, do you get strange requests?
4: <laughs> one time I had a family member ask, I shouldn't laugh. That's ignorant. They asked if they could have the decedent's eyes open for the service. Oh, and wow. I was like, mm. well, so your eyes deflate the postmortem they right. deflate. So I had to inform them. Unfortunately, it may be shocking for a few people um, pulling the gold from people's teeth, which is worth about $14. Uh, people will ask for that. I think that's pretty, Oh, People wanting to be on display nude is a pretty... I got that more than once. That's why I say it so casually. But uh, the family was like, well, they're going to have to be naked after then. So uh, without giving too much away, those are some of the stranger requests. And as much as we like to say that, you know, you give the family what they're asking for, at the same time, you have to have a boundary. You can't just put a naked person.
0: Right. Well, there's all of these... there's all of these new things going on where they're like posing people
4: oh yeah sunglasses,
0: cigarettes deck of cards and they sit there and they're like in a natural setting and people can come by what do you make of that I mean obviously it's up to the flavor of the family but does it feel weird hearing those kind of stories oh do you you're you're all about that
4: yeah I have actually done like a little bit deeper dive into the extreme embalming it's mm-hmm. typically not in the United States except for there was one in a nightclub I'm sure it probably came across your desk at some point recently where they did have the rapper standing up on stage and and everyone kind of came thinking they were visiting a mor- memorial service and that's one of the first ones I've seen in the United States in other instances people will not give up the trade secrets on how they're doing it because Once someone's embalmed, they're not really posable. It's very difficult to move them from a stiff position. So how would someone be able to embalm someone on a motorcycle or playing video games? And the answer is potentially that they aren't actually embalmed. They just kind of did the airbrush makeup and they have them or they're embalmed very lightly to get them to pose like that. So potentially it's an unembalmed body on display. A lot of people haven't been able to really figure it out and no one's come forward and explained what they're doing. And it's mostly happening in countries where we're not getting the embalming report.
2: So would there be a, an odor to a body that wasn't embalmed after that many days?
4: It, well, I'm wondering if they just kind of take them out of refrigeration and then put them on display. So we do have refrigeration at most funeral homes and bodies don't decompose in, a few minutes, like people believe. There are a lot of times where we would have someone viewed by the family and they're out for three or four hours. They could even potentially be out overnight and you're not going to see any of those decomposition changes occurring yet. So that's what I think it is. I think it's unembalmed or lightly embalmed. And I know there's some talented embalmers out there who can do some really incredible and unique things, but, um, the body doesn't change as rapidly as movies and, you know, TV shows make us want to believe.
1: Hey, Becky, uh, what about those? There's a country I go, at, Mexico, where they take the the individuals that have died the year before, and they take them out of the coffins, and they they actually have a day where they spend the day with the the person that died a year ago. Have you heard about that?
4: So sure, How yeah. would they do that? They, that happens in Indonesia as well. Um, there's a a whole town that does that i honestly i love it i think that western culture needs to approach death more openly and accept these other practices as far as someone who's been deceased for over a year there's going to be not as much of a risk as far as like bacteria a lot of the liquids and stuff are gone at this point and they're those bodies as you see are desiccated they're they're almost mummified when they're bringing them out so there's little health hazard to doing it and if it it's an accepted practice for them. It's not going to traumatize them in any way. We actually, in the United States, in history, have a few cases that I'm super interested in. For example, Count Max Pikowska in New York in the 1800s dies of tuberculosis, and his wife marries him standing up in the coffin, and they take photos with him in the coffin propped against the wall. And this actually happens. So one of the things I'm most passionate about is these stories of grief that are unusual, because I think once we brought in the spectrum it's like is it really that weird
0: so if this poor about... bastard thought he could avoid marriage by oh, death i yeah. still just shackled him right there that's crazy yeah that's oh
2: cool. yeah yeah what now eric i was gonna ask you if you thought about writing a book about these things since like you're very knowledgeable about it something i would certainly read about
4: i do plan to eventually tackle the task of these discussions of grief. There's another case in New York, actually, where a family kept their daughter's body in their home for over a year. So I want to discuss these and what we can learn from these because I think too many times people will say, oh, they've been grieving for too long or why are they taking photos of the decedent in the casket or why they take a, a selfie with their dead mom. And I think we could all learn a lot from these stories and they've all taught me a lot as I uncover them especially the ones that haven't been published before. So ultimately one day but n- not quite yet.
0: <laughs> let me ask you, are you familiar with the Mexican bride story?
4: Yes. Yes. All right, and so examine that photo and into well, not- Hold on
0: one second. Let me let me get this straight. So so what had happened the story is that this uh, wealthy to do family who owned a shop, their daughter passed away. She was very young, very beautiful, and suddenly there is this uh, waxy figure that stands in the front of their shop and wears these dresses and and many people believe that they have turned her into a mannequin. Uh, you look at the pictures now this is an uneducated man speaking. So I'm looking at it and especially the hands, those look real to me. I mean that the wrinkles, the the depth and when they come in on the face, just every contour looks you could see that the pockmarks. marks you can see the, the, the follicles so so well and the only time they dress it is behind a certain curtain and there's only one person that's allowed to dress the mannequin and from my understanding is they've sold the business and this figure maintains its position there what do you think Becky and is this is the bride a well-preserved cadaver
4: so I know it's possible I've seen exhumed bodies from the 70s that have Mm -hmm. had services. So I, in my mind, I know this theoretically could happen. I think after looking at the photos, like in my mind, I'm like, this can't be real. But if you look at it, the way her eyes look, the way that the, the wax or whatever cosmetic they have on her face, it looks like a dead body. And I have, I've definitively decided it's a no, because I think just how fragile I think you know, changing the clothes would be almost impossible if it happened multiple times. Now, if they've done it one or two times since you passed, maybe. We know about the case of Rosalia Lombardo, which is the world's prettiest mummy. And she was embalmed like 70 years ago using, uh, I, I believe, vinegar and salt. So it's possible to have someone like that. But I just don't know with how a body would be maintained with the frequent changes of the outfit and stuff like that. But I will agree that you're you're not having an untrained eye. It definitely looks like a deceased person.
0: Let me see, while we were while you were chatting, I tried to pull these images up so that I could add them uh, into the top. Oh, one of them is not going to work, but here is the close up of the hand. Now, to me, this is what you know really kind of sold it for me. Is it looks like the discoloration, the lines, the ridges, the dermal ridges, everything about that looks. Very human. I mean, do you think they spent that much time? Do you believe this was in honor of the dead daughter?
4: Yeah. I mean, even if you take a look closer in between the ridges of her fingers, you see a little bit of a pink color, which would Mm -hmm. almost be where the embalming fluid leached in. And I could see how someone would think again, this is in honor of her. She's beautiful. What's more beautiful or ideal than the the body of a mannequin? If you're so beautiful that you could be used as a display like that, I think the intentions would be good if this is valid. I mean, that looks like a human hand. It, there's no way to cut it any any differently.
0: Right. It looks completely human. And obviously, being the perfection of humanity that i am i'm sure somebody maybe eric is just going to put me up in his house in the corner somewhere like weekend at bernie's
3: mm-hmm. yeah. i can
0: only hope <laughs> <laughs> God. When, when did that I happen that be, when was that from how long ago it was like the 19 was it like the 1930s or 50s somewhere in there becky and do you remember
4: i am not sure when she was prepared yeah. if she was prepared
0: hmm. yeah go look it up folks uh, just look up um Mexican Bride Mannequin, and you'll see the picture and the story, and it's it's bonkers. All right, speaking of bonkers, Eric uh, Folsom, you are no. not up. It's me on this one. Sorry, buddy. We're going to go to Russia, where apparently the Soviet Union have had alien issues. The Russians have a strange history with unidentified flying objects. Well, 99% of the UFOs encountered by Russia and the Soviet Union over the years were probably American spy planes, they insist that one of them actually landed and that its alien crew decided to step out and stretch their legs. And then they shot a bunch of children. This is a new, crazy-ass story, one I don't think I've ever heard in all the years I've been doing this. It was the late 1980s. New York Times quoted Soviet police Lieutenant Sergei Matyev, who swore he saw the spaceship, saying... That lanky three legged aliens landed in a park in the Russian city of Aranza on September 27, 1989, some 300 miles from Moscow. Citizens of Aranza reported a deep red ball around 10 feet in diameter landing in a park. It was not an optical illusion, he told the Russian TASS news agency. It was certainly a body flying in the sky. I thought it, it must be really tired, but I rubbed my eyes and this did not go away a hatch opened and out stepped these three-eyed creatures that stood 9 feet tall and were dressed in silver overalls and bronze boots yeah that sounds like 80s kind of apparel to me it left the ship with a companion and a robot after taking a triangle formation around the robot the robot came to life a boy began to scream in terror and that's when the stuff hit the fan with a look the boy was paralyzed. The aliens disappeared briefly and returned with what looked like a gun. They shot the boy, who then disappeared. He reappeared later after the spacecraft had departed. Citizens of the town reported multiple sightings of the ship between September 23rd and the 27th, but when Soviet investigators came to the scene, their only abnormal finding was elevated levels of radioactive cesium-23. As for the children who witnessed the landing in the park, They were all separated. When asked to draw what they saw that day, they all drew a banana-shaped object that left behind in the sky the sign of the letter X. The boy who was abducted could remember nothing about the craft. The local interior minister said that if the craft appeared again, they would dispatch the Red Army to investigate the event. If the aliens had returned in full force to invade the Soviet Union... They would have met with joint capability of the Soviets along with the United States as President Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev agreed at the 1985 Lake Geneva summit to join forces against any extraterrestrial threat. So that's a weird chilling story, right? Not only do these things show up, but one kid is kind of immobilized. They think he's dead and then reappears later. Very cool. Very, very bizarre story. Hey, we've got to take a quick break and pay some of the bills. Uh, let's take a look at a couple of other things coming up real soon here. The Gettysburg Battle Bash, that is taking place not this weekend, but the following weekend. And we'd love for you to be there. Shane Pittman and myself from the Holzer Files will be on hand. And there are going to be a host of other great guests there. There's going to be a party in and uh, psychic readings and paranormal fun stuff. So come on out. Have a good time, and then this Saturday,
3: get ready for an event unlike any other inside one of the most haunted locations in the country, Bobby Mackey's, August thirteenth, twenty twenty two. Join Nick Groff, Chad Limberg, Johnny Hauser, and Josh Hurd for a live G Crew stage event hosted by Dave Schrader, with a special gallery reading from Tessa Del Zappo Groff and live music by Bobby Mackey himself. This will be a night you won't forget.
0: All right, that's this Saturday. If you want tickets, you can go on to darknessevents.com. The banner's at the top. Click on the red button. Get your seats. Come on out. There's a QA. and a There's going to be the gallery session. Bobby Mackey himself singing uh, one of the country legends. And you get a chance to be in one of the most notoriously haunted bars on the planet. It's going to be a lot of fun. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you Help, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. And of course, the biggest news of the month. You're going to want to check out the Ghosts of Devil's Perch premiering August 21st. That will be on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. Simultaneously, every Sunday, a brand new episode will air. The Ghosts of Devil's Perch, Katie Stafford, medium Cindy Kaza, and me, Dave Schrader, will be going to Butte, Montana, where we investigate all of these strange claims. This is the fourth season of the Ghosts of series. You remember Ghosts of Shepherdstown 1 and 2, Ghosts of Morgan City This is its newest installment, and I hope you'll check it out and watch along with us. That begins August 21st, and we're going to do something special. I'm going to be upfront about this, so you can skip Wednesday episodes. I'm going to do Wednesday episodes of the Paranormal 60, where we're going to look at the past week's episode and give you a hint at what to expect in the next week's episode we'll be talking with some special guests and doing something i mentioned that you don't have to watch it because i used to do this with holzer files and that people were like you've just turned the show into a giant infomercial about your other show well there are people that actually like to go behind the scenes and hear these stories so for those of you naysayers don't watch it uh (laughs) I'm sorry. I couldn't hear that. They're number one volume back up. Yeah. <laughs> you guys tune in and check it out. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and we'll, we'll have some special guests every week where we'll talk about what you saw during those episodes. And uh, again, that begins airing August 21st on travel channel and discovery plus. So go set your DVR so you don't miss a minute of it and make sure to watch it live or watch it within the first 48 hours. So that way it counts towards the ratings all right, got to get back to it. Uh, I guess it's your turn now, Eric. Let's go ahead and talk to Osborne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Jack you. All right. Osborne. Jack Osborne goes UFO hunting,
2: but instead catches a shapeshifter on camera. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a cool story. So Jack Osborne, who Discovery Plus fans are accustomed to seeing hunting for ghosts and, most recently, Bigfoot, has taken on a new mission in his latest two-hour special, investigating an infamous paranormal hotspot where UFOs frequent, Animal mutilization. Oh,
1: oh my god. Mutilization.
2: My god. Mutilization. The
1: That's do- yeah, Mutilization. Scary.
0: Turning oh, them into noodles These are grown adults, Becky. And, no and one said I was a grown adult. Mutilization.
4: <laughs> yeah. I was trying to remember if I ever saw that on a death certificate as like the cause. Like mutilization.
0: Yes.
2: yes. Put it on one just for me. That would be just
0: awesome. for <laughs> Eric. Yeah, there you go. They and were his, totally myrtle Yeah, go
3: ahead.
2: And, of course, reports of alien abduction. Mm-hmm. In the new show, Jack Osborne's Night of Terror UFOs, the Portals to Hellstar teams up with a couple of his actor friends, Jason Muse and Jamie Kennedy, with a trio heading off to Utah's Yunta Basin, where the notoriously creepy and mysterious Skinwalker Ranch sits. The area has long been known for its otherworldly and unexplainable activity. In recent years, residents of the area have reported seeing strange lights both in the sky and close to the ground and creatures and shapeshifters manifesting and then disappearing before their eyes. Joined by UFO expert and former FBI agent Ben Hansen, the guys embark on an unflinching investigation in an attempt to figure out if all of these phenomena are connected and why the crazy activity is concentrated in the area. I've been obsessed with the concept of whether or not we're alone since I was a kid staring up at the stars, Osborne said. The Utah Basin has fascinated me for years. It's a mecca for alien and supernatural activity. People are drawn here for specific things when you come here looking for it and often find something they're not looking for. I've never been to any place like this. It's its own realm. On the second night of the investigation, powerful lightning ripped through the basin. It's like something doesn't want us here, Osborne said. And then there was more than a little indication that he was right. Putting night vision glasses to his eyes, Osborne sees something odd trekking very quickly through the desert, upright like a human, and then vanishes. I swear to God, I effing saw a skinwalker, and we (laughs) got it on effing tape, dude, he tells his producer, referring to a shape-shifting witch of Navajo legend that morphs into various animals like wolves or bears. And the evidence didn't stop there, leaving them convinced that the area is a supernatural melting pot. Jack Osborne's Night of Terror UFOs is
0: produced by Osborne Media and launches Saturday, September 3rd on Discovery Plus. Well, that's just a few weeks oh. after the launch of the Ghost of Devil's Perch, also oh, found yes. on Travel Channel and Discovery. I can't believe they gave what you a, cool a show, incident. Dave. <laughs> I know. <it's> <laughs> Do they, they ever listen
1: to this show? I don't know how they no, gave this show.
0: God, I, no, they I just won't another. give
1: you and I a show. They'll give Dave a show, but no, that's yeah. fair. Well, you
0: know, some okay. guys earn it. Some guys just stumble into it drunkenly. Oh, uh, yeah. So, listen, I, while I was out, I had a great opportunity to um, – do a couple of really neat little events and one of them was as you know the Oregon Bigfoot Festival and while we were there Cliff Barrickman from Finding Bigfoot joined Jason Hawes, Sherry D. Benedetti, Sarah Lemos and I up on stage and we were talking ghosts and you know he said I'm not Cliff said I'm not just all about Bigfoot I've had my own experience and uh, I quickly whipped out my phone as he began to tell his ghost stories and I've got it so let's take a listen.
3: At ninth grade, uh, uh, I was staying at my grandparents' house because I got a D in Spanish, uh, which is crazy because I speak pretty decent Spanish now. But at the time, I got a D in Spanish, so I had to go to summer school, right? My parents went on vacation without me. Forget you, Cliff. You stay at Grandma's. Deal with it. Um, one <laughs> night, I, I was, remember, I, was, I have a hard time falling asleep. I always have. I'm kind of a stress case. Um, I remember I was, I was laying on my side, looking at the clock. It wasn't even that late. I hadn't been in bed that long. Um, and, uh, and basically, uh, the, the, the blankets lifted up. On the side of my bed and then I felt the mattress start pushing down like something was getting in bed with me and then I, I didn't like that of course and I immediately kicked with my leg out and I hips I what it felt like to me I don't know what I hit but I, I hit something and um, it felt like I kind of kicked somebody in the chest or the gut or something like that and I heard boom and then the sheets fell and then I laid awake in terror for the next two hours until I fell asleep that was one of them. It was horrifying and gross. I hated it. And then the other one was about five years ago when I lived in a little house in Portland in the Parkrose neighborhood. And, um, I, and my wife Melissa, she's from Pittsburgh. And um, I drove out. Well, I flew out to Pittsburgh. And then we drove out when I, con- I finally convinced her to come out and like live with me. And like, hey, let's try this thing. And maybe get married and stuff. And it worked. Thank God, it worked. But um, yeah. uh, she's just tremendous. And um, so and we drive out, whatever, all the way across country. We finally get back to Portland on a Friday. Saturday morning, her sister, or I think her mom calls us, and says, yeah, Grandma's not doing so well. We go, oh, man. And then Sunday, we get another call, yeah, Grandma's dying, you have to come home now. Um, and then, uh, so we bought a plane ticket that, that day for the next morning, and I figured, oh, there there goes my girl. She's going back to the Pittsburgh and her grandma's dying family thing and not gonna lose my, my employment now. Um, but she flew back Monday morning um, and grandma died that day. Um, that night, I'm, uh, something wakes me up at God knows what time. I didn't bother looking at the clock. I don't have that statistic. I don't know the, the, the time. But something woke me up and um, I my light, I'm sorry, the, the light in the room was kind of that bluish moonlight or whatever, but I could see everything in the room um, and there was a woman Standing by the open door of my bedroom, dressed in a nightgown um, that went down to about her knees, she was barefoot. I remember, and uh, her she was looking downwards with slunched shoulders like this. So her hair, her blonde hair, covered her face, and really looking at her, it looked like Melissa. It looked like Melissa, but she was in Pittsburgh, and uh, this woman was like this, like standing there, kind of in a scary pose, kind of going like stepping left and right, swaying back and forth. And I just I just look at this, and I go, oh my, uh, uh, clearly I'm still asleep, there's some weird chemical serotonin, DMT, there's stuff in my system right now. Like I, so I, I clean my eyes off and like rub them really good, and I look back and she's still standing there. And that's when I got scared. And so, uh, so I, I, adrenaline rush, I reach for the light, and then she's standing about five, five and a half feet tall, her whole side like and out the door, just dissipated, kind of, in a sort of swishy blur, going out the door. Um, I called the dog, I called Sochi to come in my room because I was horrified and scared, and once again, I laid around in bed for the next couple hours until I eventually passed out and fell asleep. So, more power to you guys. It scared the hell out of me, and i am be more than happy to never have another ghost experience. Although, if you guys take me out, I would be happy to do so, and you're welcome to come to my Bigfoot spots, too. So.
0: So I might take him up on going out to his Bigfoot spot and, uh, then I'll take him ghost hunting and, and see what we can, uh, what we can show for both. I would love to go to a hotbed of Bigfoot activity and take out my dr 60 recorder and see if I can get some kind of response from Bigfoot, some kind of psychic or, or, or you know, unheard vocalization and, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's it's, he has in the property he owns currently, he has Bigfoot on his property. So he's already yeah. found Bigfoot. I don't know why he did a whole series for 10 yeah. years. They could have just gone to his house, but just
1: put a fence around his property and, and just lock yeah. it in there. You know? <laughs> oh you know? no, not yeah.
0: very strange. Becky. And I want to know from you hearing Cliff's stories, those were two that really impacted and freaked him out. What is the spookiest or creepiest thing that's ever happened to you with the supernatural?
4: I would have to say something because it's changed. You evolve when you start investigating versus when Mm -hmm. you're not an investigator. So before I was an investigator, I was sleeping next to my partner at the time at an apartment that was, it used to be a farm. That's all I knew about the property. And I was sleeping and the door to the bedroom just flung open. And it was really aggressive. And I remember looking up and seeing this dark figure. And it's very similar to how he said he laid awake for hours. I I saw this dark figure and I thought I'm going to die, but I had sleep paralysis. So I couldn't like move. And so I was trying to wait for my partner and I was like, wake up speaking through my teeth because I couldn't move anything else. And of course they didn't wake up. And I smelled this terrible smell of mothballs, which I found to be a common theme with other people who've had paranormal experiences in their home for some reason and it exited the room nothing happened and goes into the roommate's room at the time mm-hmm. so it was like, oh rich came in the room in the middle of the night he probably had to use a bathroom or something and didn't want to ask and i thought that would be the end of it until the next day when i'm like hey can you ask rich why he came in the room in the middle of the night and he was like he wasn't in our room i don't know why you're getting carried away with this and he finally addresses it with him and Rich shares that in the middle of the night, he had someone come in his room, the doors were locked, touches his leg, and then it just gently walks backwards down the stairs as it's like kind of waving its arms in a liquid motion and then it never exits the house and we were like did it come from the hole in the basement because the landlord had this weird hole that he kept covered up what was that and we both looked at each other and i said okay we need to confirm that this happened to both of us what time did it happen to you and we both look at each other and it was like a movie moment where we say in the morning. And I didn't know enough. Now thinking back, I'm like, it's not that scary. It just, something came in and touched his leg and we fell out of touch for a few years. I recently reconnected and I was like, remember that time? And he's like, oh yeah, that messed me up. It was actually traumatic. And I was like, that's funny because I love this stuff now, but it was just sitting there in fear, wondering, like, is whoever this is going to take a knife out? What happened? And then mm-hmm. it wasn't until a few days later where I accepted, that wasn't a person. They didn't exit the, the front door or the back door. They didn't steal anything. They didn't knock anything over. They just flung the door open, stood there, and then went and touched Rich's leg.
0: Creepy. Now, yeah, you're right. Things change the way you look at them. What What is something more contemporary, something more recently that unnerved you?
4: So more recently, I was on an investigation with my friend in Imler, Pennsylvania, in Blue Knob State Forest at the site where the lost children of the Alleghenies were found. Now, the lost children of the Alleghenies are these two boys who went missing in the 1800s. They had followed their dad out, who heard the sound of the dog barking. And around 4,000 people start looking for these boys, but are unable to find them until a farmer has a dream, so they employ the use of dowsers, witches. For that time period, they're really they're exhausting every method to find them, but they don't find them until a farmer has a dream where these boys are found, and it, it was the symbol of like a fallen birch tree, a deer, and a child shoe, and then you would find the boys. He shares this wish and where he dreamt of the location with his brother in law, and he goes, "I know where that is." So they lead them to the location of the bodies, and the boys allegedly died from exposure. I've had this bias for so many years that the farmer killed them, as do many people, despite being hailed as a hero in his area for finding them. So my friend and I, after we had investigated, investigated a place in Ohio, I said, this place is really personal. I see like almost signs from the boys. I saw a painting of them at a hotel I was at. I told their story and it went viral. I felt that I needed to go back. There might be more. So I bring her to this location. And as we start to communicate at first, I'm like, uh, you know, getting a response that's, you know, a confirmation of your question or consistent with the question that you asked, isn't a true confirmation of the paranormal. It could be coincidence. But after 45 minutes of communication where we're receiving messages that are consistent with the environment that we're in, then we started to realize I need to allow myself to believe this, to truly connect with whatever we're experiencing. Now, I know it wasn't terrifying, but at the end of the session, I'm I'm crying. I'm on the ground. I open my arms and I'm telling these boys to come to me because we're receiving answers like she asked, where should I look so I could see you? And I'm under doing the Estes method and she's spinning around. I have no idea because I I can't hear her. And I tell her to stop. When she stops, she's staring at the monument at the exact location where these boys were found deceased. And it continued on. They were asking questions such as, what would you like us to do? Or what do you want? And they're saying things like to hold, to throw. My friend eventually evolves to a point where she's kind of, almost walking like a toddler. We were switching back and forth between us because we felt as though we didn't want to, we didn't want to bias it. We wanted to make sure we were truly experiencing what we're experiencing. And for me to cry on an investigation, it, it has to be something. But um, my bias was absolved by the end of the investigation. They consistently said, no, that's the other way I know that I'm not hearing what I want to hear because they kept saying that they were just walking, they got tired. And it started to make sense to me. They were walking, they got tired at the tree, they kept walking and they came to the first person they could deliver that message to potentially, the farmer. And that's how he dreamt of the location. Mm -hmm. When my friend and I got in the car, we looked at each other and we said, what just happened? That wasn't 10 minutes, that wasn't 20 minutes. That was a whole hour of these responses. And I said, you're gonna see them now, watch what happens. The next day, she goes to the Goodwill, and she's looking at the books, and there was a book directly in front of her face, The Lost Children. And she sent it to me, and I was like, oh, that synchronicity just confirmed our entire experience. So, that was really moving, but also unsettling, because the thought of children, especially being affected in that way, was really heavy.
0: Wow. Powerful stuff. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. Uh, We've just got a few stories left here. Colonel... Yes, there's uh, there's some unsettling news from Blumhouse Pictures yeah. about a new movie. Where I guess the uh, the the uh, the concept of uh, coming up with new movie ideas has just left us. Now we're gonna. I, just... I
1: guess we're running out, and we're going after the classics. I guess. All right, The Exorcist is getting a remake. The classic horror film is getting a brand new take from Paranormal Activity movie production company Blumhouse. And founder CEO Jason Jason Blum is speaking out about what to expect in an interview with Deadline. The original film was released in 1973 and was directed by William Friedkin. In the movie, when a 12-year-old girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her. I'm really excited about The Exorcist, he said. The first person I approached when we picked up the film was David Gordon Green, I thought what David did with Halloween was great. And I think he really found a great balance of respecting their original intellectual property, but also bringing something new to it. He continued. He also revealed that they're considering making it a trilogy. So it didn't take, it didn't feel like a retread. So I was really happy when he wanted to do the exorcist and we're starting production really soon. We're already setting up a framework and thinking about a trilogy we also have a great cast. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know how what you all feel about uh, that. Um, that's like, I didn't think they'd ever touch The Exorcist, quite frankly.
0: Well, they redid The Omen, and I wasn't overwhelmed with that. I was underwhelmed. They've remade a lot of the films. I guess the only thing about redoing The Exorcist is when you watch it, it is very dated. You know, it's it's got that cheesy 70s vibe to it. Um once you get into the movie, it it picks up and you forget what era it's in. But you know, you definitely have that kind of cheese ball factor of the 70s. So I think, you know, this is one of those movies we kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You just think shouldn't be touched. Uh but then Sam Raimi comes out and comes out with a movie called The Great and Powerful Oz, which I thought was a brilliant reimagining of of a story leading us to the Wizard of Oz. So I was I was okay with that. Um, in the right hands, maybe we can get a good story. And they've tried numerous times to reinvent The Exorcist, including a TV series, which, again, I was underwhelmed with. But if anybody's going to pull it off, I know Jason Blum has a real affinity for this and an eye, so I'm hoping he can turn this into something worth watching. But, you know, he's he's hinging on, on the guy that brought Halloween back. And I thought the first Halloween that he did was decent. The second one was okay. And everything I'm, I'm reading about the third one, uh, has pissed a lot of screening uh, people off Mm -hmm. because they kind of jump the shark in this third one. And Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how people take it from there. But, uh, yeah, to me, it's one of those, I guess I wouldn't like to see it remade, but I'd be willing to give 21st century technology and storytelling. You know, they they found ways to make a psychological thriller again with the conjuring movies. They found a way to make scary happen. So I'm down with that.
1: And, and, you know, people still watch the original Halloween and, uh, you know, enjoy that. So you can maybe have two versions of the same story uh, just uh, presented in different ways. So we'll see what happens.
0: What do you think, Becky Ann? Where do you f- fall on the remake of The Exorcist?
4: Well, I agree with what he just said, where it's like I enjoy both carries. However, I don't enjoy both. Pet cemeteries the remake and the the original so right. I think if they get that kind of psychological horror that's involved in the conjuring series not that they're you know related to that but that kind of feel for it I think it could be fantastic especially because the cosmetics that you see and and you know the vomit and things that are involved with the classic exorcist there's value in that for a different reason but to experience that horror without the context of that dated vibe would be probably be pretty good if they execute it the correct way
0: and depending you know I kind of hope that he goes with not really well-known actors because sometimes you know you see Brad Pitt in the Father Marin role and it kind of takes you out of it you're kind of like all I can see is Brad Pitt right or you don't want Keanu Reeves showing up and whoa let me get rid of that demon man right You just (laughs) that's what's going to play in your mind even though he's been Uh John Wick for the last seven years yeah You, you can't beat that that version out of your head eric i know you're a, a horror movie guy what do you make of uh a remake on this is it something they should leave alone or or let's give it a new new spin
2: it's so funny you should ask i was just watching the original friday the 13th last weekend and you know the, the psychological piece to what to, uh, becky ann and, and marty were saying I, I just you know if they redid that today certainly the cgi would improve but the story that the base story is still frightening by itself. So if, if they can retain that with new CGI, I think we might be okay.
0: I liked the reboot of Friday the 13th that came out. It was a standalone. And I liked that just kind of in the opening spin of the movie in the, like during the credits, they kind of tell the whole story of, of Friday the 13th one. And then they launch it. So when you start off this new Friday the 13th, Jason is now in control. We already have seen Mother in the, the beginning. And I thought that was an interesting way to do it. I was kind of disappointed that they that was a one and done for them. Uh, you know, and the the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot was just horrible. Horrible. It's
1: over- horrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So we're all of the mind. Well, let's see. <laughs> so it's not a real singing endorsement, but we're all for, well. we'll
3: let's we'll give it a give shot.
0: Give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's All right guys that that's our future right there in front of you if you're <laughs> watching the video Marty Dave and Eric well or it may be Greg since I have no hair shrunken head held at a museum was made from actual boiled human skin I would like to think that a museum has the real thing Researchers have used computer scans to successfully authenticate a real shrunken human head that's been stored at a museum. The researchers from institutions in Canada and Ecuador say the findings are critical for understanding the history of indigenous peoples thought to have used the heads in ceremonies. South American shrunken heads, sometimes called santas, are common in museum collections, but it can be difficult to tell whether they're authentic. That is whether they're made from real human remains. Another factor in deciding whether they are authentic is whether they were created for ceremonial purposes or are you ready for this? Were they created for commercial so that you could buy one and take one home. Uh How terrifying is that, that they were digging up cadavers to boil the heads and, and to make it a souvenir. I understand if you've got something carved out of a coconut head or something that looks real, but is not, but then to realize this is the real deal holy field that they're bringing out to you um, just to sell it for commercial uh, goods. You collect a lot of weird stuff, Becky. And would you want a real shrunken head?
4: No, I'm a firm believer that things belong in the countries that they were stolen from. And a lot of these mm-hmm. artifacts are stolen. You look at these exhibits that we have traveling and there are some families, like there's a Hungarian family that allowed for their you know, ancestors, mummies to be displayed, but a lot of the stuff, particularly from Egypt and the shrunken heads are stolen. So it's a little controversial, especially when things are being asked for it back. Luckily today, we're not doing what we were doing in the forties where we were cremating mummies and giving them Christian burials in Vermont and all this other interesting stuff. (laughs) For me, just as a white person, I, I I don't have the means to own that. That's not mine to own. And if it were in the collection of someone that it's their culture or there's some greater reason. Um, I think the distinguished, um, the distinguishment between the collections is that you're allowed to own them if they were a souvenir shrunken head that were created later versus the cere- ceremonial ones and the ones that were obtained in war. Those are the ones that I guess are not allowed to be owned
0: that's bizarre i just yeah the whole concept of it they're doing all these digital ct scans now to see if they're legitimate or if they are fake this is the the generation i grew up becky and are you ready for this if you wanted a shrunken head there was one guy you turned to and that was vincent price do you guys remember this <laughs> eric marty do you remember this no not do at you all not, no yeah you could buy this kit and and you would take an an apple and the kit would show you what to do, but you would basically bake this apple and then apply like kind of Mr. Potato head parts to it to create a shrunken head. And if you find them online, let's see if I can, uh, maybe I'll set you to do this Eric, Well, no, you're, you're about to do a, a news story for us. So while you're doing that, I'm going to see how much the shrunken head kit from Milton, Milton Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. yeah. Milton Bradley is going for online and, uh, I will turn this, uh, next story over to you, but see, Becky, and you missed the, being a youngster, you missed out on being able to buy your own shrunken head kit shrunken and, head, and just yeah. learning how to bake an apple into
4: a shrunken head. Somewhere there's a rotten apple in someone's attic, just sitting there waiting. Hey. To be-
1: oh, man.
2: So, <laughs> about really that. Well. so let me ask real fast what do you guys think about the bodies exhibit? Oh,
1: no, yeah. Those are
0: fascinating, but
1: those yeah. bodies
0: were donated to someone. Right, right. There yeah. right.
4: was the consent there. The, the right. controversy comes from lack of consent i think about the people the bog bodies like you just found that person and now you're like five bucks you didn't see it
2: <laughs> Where's well, yeah, all right skin? so i
0: guess now i know our i i yeah i was gonna say i guess our uh, retirement plan is over eric we're gonna have to send back our bog bodies now that becky Ann has shamed us yeah
2: <laughs> good having you on the show becky Ann. good having yeah. you on the show. um yeah l- right, let's, let's head up Dave. we gotta get one of those yep. kids all yep. right Man's claims house under attack by angry spirits as he captures everything from doors slamming to lights flickering. Every time you hear about folks being tormented by a spirit in their home, the easy answer is to move. But not everyone can move. Forget about the relative difficulty of breaking a lease or if you own the home in question. It makes it difficult to just walk away. For this fellow, ghosts were just the beginning of his problems. In a new video placed online, a young man documents the creepy happenings in his house. Doors slamming, lights flickering, weird shadows of disembodied spirits in the window. You can hear the fear in his voice as he runs through the house looking for the cause. I don't hear your audio, Dave, but I'm sure like you're Like all downstairs, I checked the rooms. <laughs> and this is like things just keep, oh my God, and someone's knocking. Hello? This is, this is what I deal with. This is literally what I deal with. Oh my God. Hello, spirit, is there a reason that you're doing this? Is, is, is is there a reason that you're doing this spirit? Is there a reason that you're doing this? okay i'm not understanding okay lights are flickering lights are going off <laughs> everything in my house just went out what is going on
0: what is going on eric
2: let me tell you in the comments sections folks said forget about the ghosts that's one nice house but they had no idea how bad it was once he and his family found a mysterious bag in the basement filled with medical records from insane asylum inmates, the paranormal, the paranormal activity kicked into high gear. His mother and sister reported seeing shadow people in the hallways, terrified to what they'd unwittingly—oh
1: my
2: unwittingly unleashed. They buried the bag and attempted to cleanse the house. That's not a good idea. The problems only got worse. Mm -hmm. The next sign that something was very wrong with this place was when the living room floor Mm -hmm. collapsed underneath them. A sinkhole was opening under their home, and they were forced to cower in one tiny section of the house while they had it repaired. While engineers they hired blamed multiple pipe leaks beneath the floor for the sinkhole, one wonders if it was that simple or if the weight of evil in the place was trying to drag the entire house back to hell. A sinkhole a good, would scare the you know what out of me. Oh yeah, I don't care yeah. if it is pipes or not, that shouldn't
1: happen. All right, it's at least like fifty thousand dollars right there and fixing. Oh, if not bed. more, yeah, yeah, yeah. that Becky would scare you,
0: me. You do, Marty. Do you mind if I talk to our guest, or do you just want to? No keep problem. In? No problem. Yeah, now go ahead, Marty. You know it's your show. Go, on. go on. It's it's go Marty's it. show. Go for it, Dave. <laughs> Becky Ann, uh, you're on TikTok. You've seen these kind of videos. What's your take on it? We play one or two every couple of weeks here. And, you know, we're giving them the the benefit of the doubt that what they're experiencing is real. Um, I personally like this guy because, Eric, he sounds like my Snallygaster character. What's going on? There's something moving in my house, right? I literally thought you were doing voiceover when I was listening to it. (laughs) That was legit him. But uh, so that part I get, you know, he's got that fearful sound to his voice, but... Do you, when you look at this, can you can you kind of differentiate between what's a real video and what's somebody just looking for some, some clickbait?
4: First off, I want to know where they buried those records because I want to buy them. But second. <laughs> anyway, um, in the
0: sinkhole in the backyard.
4: The activity is always happening behind him. So that's going to raise the red flag for that. Right. I obviously, when I see these videos, I watch them and I've seen some that are really compelling like... This one where a ladder falls down out of the attic. I'm like, how did they do that if they did that? But for this one, that's that's my thought. And then on top of it, the fact that he's calling to spirit. Like they have no idea what's going on. They're, they're in this house. They find these records and, and and these things are all accidental. But he's saying spirit as if he's calling and he's familiar with speaking to spirit.
0: So you think maybe he conjured this to begin with
4: conjured or either conjured the story or conjured doing something in his house
2: (laughs) i appreciate how she didn't say that though she inferred it Mm -hmm. without saying it until dave called her out yeah (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm asking yeah it's uh
0: it's important to know uh very cool do you get called uh you know do you get called out on your videos much becky ann or you know because you take so much time with it that and and your Um, reputation
4: there's always going to be the people who don't believe in the equipment and they'll say you know that's fake right i'm like that's fine but uh one of the biggest videos i put up was three minutes from the lost children of the alleghenies and the comments i received i thought i'd have people say this is obviously fake they said this is all I need to know to believe in the paranormal Um, there were people saying wow are you okay after experiencing something like that it makes me feel bad to see you cry I think it has a lot to do with the way I'm reacting like you mentioned this gentleman's voice the way I react in my videos is very organic like um, if I hear laughter you'll see genuine shock in my face it's not this monotony of people who are trying to convince you, but they clearly don't believe it themselves.
0: Gotcha. Very good insight. And to get back to the shrunken heads, guys, I see some are currently on there for over $399, but there's no bids. Going into the closed auctions, I see them selling for between $66 to $75. One went for $125, but the means seem to be right in around $75 75 to $150 so if you want the vintage 1975 shrunken head apple sculpture kit which i wanted my parents didn't get but my buddy rick did so we got to play with it once uh you know if you want one you can find one apparently guys my birthday's coming up i'm just saying you might want to get me a vintage 1975 shrunken head kit
1: we'll have to talk eric yeah after the show
0: yeah talk to eric (laughs) so marty's out
2: can i just go ahead and get you the ad the ad's only going for 20 bucks
0: no, no, I don't want the you ad. I need the real the thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. We've got one story left, folks. We are at the tail end of tonight's program. Uh, we do have links up for Becky Ann so you can find her and uh, and her TikTok. So that way you can follow along and check out all the work she's doing. How else can people keep up with you, Becky Ann?
4: I'm pretty much just on TikTok and social media under My Bloody mm-hmm. Galentine. Um, I have some things I can't talk about just yet that I've worked on recently, but... So far, it's I just pop up on podcasts here and there.
0: Well, when you are ready to release that information, come on back on the show, and we will share it with our tens of listeners all around <laughs> the world. All right. All right, Marty. It is yeah. time for you to deliver the final story.
1: Yeah. Did you all know that the Honolulu Airport is the most haunted airport in the United States? You know That's that? hard to believe,
0: because I always thought the Denver, Denver Airport was supposed to be the I most like haunted it
1: yeah that's what i thought
0: honolulu uh, yeah go for it let's hear make make believers out of us marty
1: here we go a blonde lady in a white dress stands at the gate of the honolulu airport peering out at the runway the locals call her the lady in waiting according to hauntedplaces.org the lady sometimes allegedly appears in secure areas where most people don't have clearance to go Some have reported seeing her wandering the halls and making mischief in the airport bathrooms, flushing unoccupied toilets, or unraveling toilet paper. Have a drink. Yeah, I know.
0: Unrevealing paper, huh?
1: Unrevealing Uh toilet paper. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. According to the Hawaii legend, the woman fell in love with a man who promised to marry her. The old promise to marry her story again. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, The man of her affections took off on an international flight and never returned. So she killed herself. Son of a bitch. I hear you. Yeah. And yet she still stands and waits for him to return per local folklore. She apparently isn't the only ghost who calls a Honolulu airport home. There are stories of people experiencing the sensation of someone sitting on their chest, causing them to choke. The entity that causes this is known as the Choking Ghost. Put a lot of thought into that one. <laughs> wait a minute,
0: wait a minute. Yeah, really. A lot of thought. So there's one ghost that is known to choke people. It's known as the Choking Ghost. Choking Ghost. ghost. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, something they really... say, doesn't it? Yeah. Old choky, Old choky, oh,
1: Old choky. yeah. Yeah. But additionally, the passengers have reported seeing a ghost on the Wiki Wiki shuttle. He supposedly appears in the back of the shuttle late it's... at night. Wait a minute, wait a
0: minute, wait a minute. It's the Y key, not Wiki Wiki.
1: <laughs> Tell no, me it's, that is it's, not. No, like, it's it just wiki-wiki. mispronounced. No, it's so. No, don't, look don't. at it. Dave. Read it. Read it, okay. Dave. I can't. I can't. I've dropped the
0: story already. My mind is gone. It's W I K I dash
1: W I K I.
0: All right, Wiki Wiki.
1: Yep. Maybe. Yep. Okay. I'm right. So, dr- I think you guys should drink. I'll have a drink. Yeah, I'll right. drink. yeah. All right. Yeah. He supposedly appears in the back of the shuttle late at night to startle sleepy passengers. Other than the Honolulu Airport, Hawaii is known to be home to numerous haunted stories. Places such as the Oahu Community Correctional Facility, the Botanical Garden, and the New Anu Pali Highway are infamous for ghost stories. The Hickam Air Force Base and Pearl Harbor are also known to be haunted following Japan's attack in 1941. Locals say that they have seen the apparitions, apparitions,
0: apparitions, you say, is that the, are they close relatives to the apparitions on weekends? Yeah,
1: apparitions. I, I, I pulled, I, I I threw myself out Mm, on that one. Yep. You did. A soldier's on the dock of the sunken vessel. I will tell you, I
0: not being a sensitive, uh, or medium when I went there in, uh, like 1998, uh, and I stood over the. Arizona I was you know you're just sitting there and they're they're playing music and there's a guy who's putting flags up and they let him fly over for about five minutes and then they pull him down and then he puts up another flag and they fold it and they sell those in the gift shop so you can actually have a flag that was flown over Pearl Harbor and as I'm standing there you know what got me all of a sudden just this bloop boop of oil came up from the smokestack and that's where they put a lot of the urns from the the naval men that survived the attack of Pearl Harbor. They want to go back and be with their brothers. So they're, you know, put into urns and then dropped into the smokestack. And when that came up, I just started sobbing. And all of a sudden I turned around and I realized I'm surrounded. there's guys like five, six guys on this observation deck and we're all just bawling our eyes out. And it just, you could feel that palpable sense of sadness. It was unbelievable, but it was an amazing moment to be there. So if you haven't had a chance to go, check it out.
1: Yeah, that that oil seeping up is just that hit me. Uh, all yeah. these years, decades, and it's still coming up.
2: Do, do they estimate right. when that'll yeah. when that'll stop?
0: No that oil. Mm-mm. I think they said they uh, they thought it would have been done years ago, but it just continues, and they think it's just something that will continue to happen you know and it's not a lot but there's just these little come up and you you know if you've got a huge tank of oil down there and just a couple drops pop up they're going to
1: look bigger because they're
0: hitting and spreading in the water so
1: and eric it's 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 constant isn't it i mean it's it doesn't end you know yeah
0: so remarkable stuff well that's it for this week's episode uh greg we miss you at the bottom of that uh, missile silo, wherever you are. But Becky Ann Galentine, thank you for joining us and filling in admirably.
4: Thank you for having me great story. It was a
0: pleasure. Good job. Yeah. Good, good stuff to share tonight. We've got uh, other fun stuff coming up. Hey, I want to remind you, if you are interested, Scotland coming up in, uh, in next month, September and Ireland in October, we've opened up a couple spots on both trips. If you want to go email me, Dave at paranormal 60com I'll get you the information and you can sign up and go with us or just go to darkness events.com. DarknessEvents.com. click on the banners for either Ireland or Scotland, find out how you can get involved and be a part of the trip with us. And don't forget, we've got a big trip coming up in February. We are going to be going for Schrader's of the lost Ark. That's right. We're going to Egypt. We get to investigate two of the pyramids. We get to investigate Howard Carter's house on the 100th anniversary of the opening of King Tut's tomb. It's going to be an amazing time. I hope you'll join us. And if you want more information, all that at darkness events.com. Dot com And I hope to see you out this weekend at Bobby Mackey's in Wilder, Kentucky. For those of you in Cincinnati, Kentucky, Indiana area, it's all right there. Come on out, see Nick Groff, myself, Josh Hurd, Chad Lindbergh, and Johnny Hauser, Tessa Groff. We're going to have a great time and music provided by Bobby Mackey, the country legend himself. So come on out, have some fun with us. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back Monday with more of the best in paranormal programming. You've been listening and watching the Paranormal 60. Paranormal 60 is a Words is Hard production in association with Let's Thrift a Coffin.